Hello, and welcome to episode 25 of Man vs. Business. My name is Les Janes, and I am here with my co-host, Sean McMenamin. This week, Sean and I are discussing a high-level overview of cash flow and the cost of money. So, with that, let's go ahead and start the show. So, Sean, uh, we're uh, back together again and going to be discussing more financial topics. Um, This time, we're going into cash flow. And also, did you realize that this is our 25th episode? Oh, was that silver silver episode? Yeah, our silver episode. (laughs) So, cash flow, 25th episode, you know, kind of... uh, Kind okay, of makes, I, didn't, I didn't know that, so I didn't put the two of them together when I suggested that we follow up last week's with just one more area of uh, finance and, and money, money, money. Money, money, money. That's what uh, that's what it's all about, right? Well, part, part, part and parcel. Money, yeah, part of it. Yeah, we're in business to, to make money, but the thing is you make money and then pay people and grow and pay more people. And So I, I'm, I'm, I'm a big one on, on uh, the trickle-down economic theory. Yeah, I would agree. So, uh, so like I said, uh, cash flow is what we're going to talk about. One segment of the kind of the financial financial part of the business. So, um, kind of give a, a brief description of what we mean when we talk about cash flow. Yeah, basically the cash flow part of the business, and, and not that anybody here is going to uh, you know be the CFO or the controller of, of their company. Maybe they, maybe they are, and they know this you know better than I do, but. But for the regular person in a business that just wants tips, cash flow is the the monies that are collected in excess of the monies that are paid out. Right. Right. And so effectively, you've got to pay your suppliers. You have to pay, pay your employees. You, got, you have to pay interest maybe on loans that you might have as an organization, as a company. We, we're not going to get into that. You know, the, the uh, finance part of of the cost of capital and things like that. But um, cash flow is important. Say, bring it down to the project side. We, we talk about the departments and the functional areas in a business and how how the processes are and need to be improved in some cases. So here you're talking really the project management area. Right. Where where project managers on a on a larger you know capital project will have suppliers that they're paying, services that they're asking for, but they're able to invoice their customer and get, get payments typically on a, on a project milestone basis like we talked about last week. Well, even before that, you've got to be dealing with the payment terms, uh, you know, right. defining the payment terms, defining what your customer's expectation is uh, for the, the payment activities because that's what's going to define that cash flow. Right. Right. And here again, this, this is the, the uh, continuum between sales and execution, sales and operations. So the sales team typically sets and agrees to a contract with those payment terms. So those payment terms definitely have to line up with the schedule of the job, understanding when large outlays of cash have to happen. Right. So, um, so speaking about the, 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 the touch points, in the cash flow, so you've got this, the salespeople that are involved with it at the beginning of the order because they're touching the terms and the conditions. Um, you've got the project managers that deal with the cash flow, making sure that you're meeting if you're on a milestone 
uh, type project, making sure that you're meeting milestones. Who else is involved in in touching cash flow? Um, well, the, the purchasing group not necessarily has to know about cash flow, but they they have to understand with in, in concert with the project manager uh, the purchases that they're making. You, you would hope that in an ERP system, the the job is set up where where when the purchasing teams going out to buy something, especially something large, you know, the approvals, not only for saying, yes, we should spend this money, but yes, we've got the cash, we've got the cash to pay the bill once we, once we place this order is very important. So uh, the accounting, the accounting people, um, financial planning and analysis, uh, those people have to understand because one thing that you have to realize is that, you know, when we talk about one project, one project manager and buy one piece, you know, okay, you can keep track of that, but when you've got a larger organization and you're buying multiple pieces of equipment, you know, days or weeks apart, you know, the the, the bills that come due per, perhaps thirty to forty five days later is going to be a, a large hit on the cash flow of your organization. So, ensuring that that our invoicing process or your invoicing process has the, the uh, wherewithal to cover those outlays. Right. That, that's something that, that has to be understood amongst the team, but then managed you know, at that higher level between the project managers and then the, the finance team. So another big player in this, though, is, of course, the suppliers. You know, you've got to, we've got to make sure that our suppliers are taken care of through this project, that the project team ensures that you know, suppliers are being, being paid, and so you've got to make sure that your cash flow is covering that because the of course, the worst thing you can do is, you know, create a situation where your suppliers don't trust you, all because your cash flow is not working out. Les, that's a great point. Um, it's a pet peeve of mine to uh, have been in meetings with people that, that you know have the idea of uh, slow paying a supplier to oh. enhance to enhance your cash flow. Drives me nuts when I hear that. Oh my gosh! Uh, first of all, it's not what you agreed to. So, uh, to me, integrity and and doing what you say you're going to do. You sign up. You sign up with a purchase order to a supplier based on terms. You know, thirty days. Thirty days after invoice, and if you decide to pay them forty five, fifty, sixty days after, thinking that you're getting a free loan for that period of time, right? It, to me, that's just wrong. Yeah, you can't be jerking your suppliers around just because you're not managing your money well and because it doesn't seem fair to you. Well, Sorry, you lose. Yeah, yeah. The supplier. I feel like yeah, I'm smarter than everybody, and I'm going to try to get over on get over on these guys by you know making a couple of extra bucks, keeping our cash in the bank. Yeah, that is just that's just wrong. It's it's just wrong. People don't don't realize that supplier. You're a supplier to somebody else. You don't want to be treated that way. The suppliers to you. They don't want to be treated that way, and and the thing is, if your suppliers go away, then then where are you? Well, and you know, if you if you look back on the uh, um, some of the quality stuff that we spoke about, you know, one of one of the great uh, quality personnel, Edward Demings, made a huge point about how to ensure that you're managing your suppliers well and that you're being fair. And there's a reason he did that because he knows that ultimately, if you're not treating your suppliers well, it basically affects your business, affects your quality, it affects your ability to do, you know, a lot of things. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Completely agree. Yeah. So as far as um, uh, talking about the money itself, we all know that, you know, the uh, it costs money, you know, you know, on, on the cash flow side, you know, 
it's worth more, uh, you know, as, as the money is being used and as you're dealing with payments and stuff. But, you know, I, I hear, I keep hearing this comment that, that, you know, cash is king. Why do they, why do people say that? (laughs) You know, uh, being, being the naive person on, on this, on this, on this call, you know, why, why do they say that cash is king? Well, and and I don't like cliches, but that that is a cliche. Um, We talked a little bit about, about the income statement last, last week. Another financial document is the balance sheet. Right. So you could have a great balance sheet with a lot of assets. Okay. If they're assets that you can't turn into cash to pay your suppliers, pay your employees, um, those are the things that that need to be. You, you need to have liquid cash, liquid assets, so that you can make the payments that you need to make. Otherwise, creditors, everybody, people, then that you have a liability with will come calling. And if you don't have that cash, then then you're going to be in trouble with those creditors, and and liens could be put on. You know, businesses or projects, and if a, and if a lien is put on a project, then then your customer, your customer, um, is adversely affected because it's their components that now somebody else has a right to. Right. So there's a lot of there's a lot of legal a lot of legal jargon that would have to take place, and that's another hey another topic for our conversations. You know, what are, <laughs> what are good you know legal issues that you want to avoid or make sure that you've got in your contracts. Um, if, if everybody works to to achieve what they say they're going to achieve, then you shouldn't have an issue with with cash flow. I mean, people can you can get upside down on a project, uh, especially if you don't uh, pay attention to what that scope is or what the terms are yourself. Um, and when we say terms, um, typically you see some money down. It's 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 always nice. It doesn't always happen, but it's nice if you can get you know, 5% or 10% down payment from your customer in order to get you started and get you kicked off um, with either engineering or buying some materials. And then, then typically you get a, a payment when you design the product, if it's a custom if it's a custom product. Uh, you might get a payment when you buy major materials. You get a payment when you, you deliver. And then, right. and then a payment, you know, so many days after you've delivered and you've proven that the component works um so so those are the those are the the payment terms or something similar to that is what we're talking about so of course there's a lot of customers that actually don't want to pay you until the end of the order uh no matter whether you need the money throughout the project or not you know how do you handle those types of situations do you just not take the order or i guess that's something you have to weigh well you do you weigh that with the it's it's a risk reward Issue. Um, yeah. If it's a, if it's a customer that you know you trust and you and you know, um, if you can if you can add in that cost of cash, that cost of capital in the project. So, for example, if it's a six month project and, it, and, it, and you're expected to sell it for one million dollars, um, but you've got to, you've got to invest you know seven hundred thousand dollars. So say you'll make 30 percent right. margin on it. So so seven hundred thousand dollars is your is your cost of goods. If it's gonna cost you, you know, so many dollars to tie up that seven hundred thousand dollars, but you can you can add that to the project. So it's a job it's a job that if you had reasonable payment terms you would have sold for a million dollars. But if this customer is willing to pay a million two right because you can add two hundred thousand dollars of uh, you know cost of money and risk, then then 
sure, man, maybe it's worth it. If you have that spare cash, you can take that, that bucket of cash and put it off to the side. You, you have a, a lump that you can't get repaid for with some margin on top of it for six months. It's just like anybody investing your resources. Um, you, you, would, you would look at it and say, hey, would it be better if I took that $700,000 and bought a, a piece of property in Florida and right. then sold it, sold it six months later when I, when I make more money than providing the product for this customer? Now there's a lot of other ancillary things with it, customer satisfaction, you know, future work with that customer. All those things have to take a, 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 a part in the decision on how you do that project. Finances are one thing. That's why that's why it's not always cash is everything and money, money, money. Right. It's future business. It's good relationships, things like that. And if you can do it and make money on it, then it's something that you should do. So one of the things you just mentioned there was uh, the cost of money. Explain that concept a little bit. What does it mean that there's a cost to money? Right. It's, it's about taking your, your cash and, and we'll just say cash, but it's all resources. It's, it's your engineering team, uh, your procurement team, uh, you know, trucks and everything like that that would be used in the product that you generate, mm-hmm. uh, that you sell. So if you, if you, the cost of that for any given project, it really it really has to be weighed with the alternatives that you could do with that with that money. We, we typically look at it when you go to school and you need a finance degree, you look at, at a hurdle rate or a, a rate of return. You can have an internal rate of return or just a, a, uh, a hurdle rate that you wouldn't take a project unless you know you could make X dollars on that project. Okay, right. so so that's that's something that you know the financial planning and analysis team in your own company might be looking at at the beginning of the year or prior to the beginning of the year when you're budgeting for the next year. If you've got a diverse group of products, and and one product says, you know, I, I need I need capital expenditure of a million dollars so that that I can go make ten million dollars. If I had that that one million dollars, that might be better. That might be better use of of capital. Than giving you know a fifty million dollar business unit an extra million dollars because they're only going right. to make you know two hundred thousand dollars on that million because they're you know they're so large and maybe they just don't have the rate of return in their business unit so that all has to be weighed out that's kind of a quick and dirty you know cost of capital or, or what do you do with the capital so the cost of capital is if you were to borrow that money you're going to pay bank a bank an interest rate you have to look at that the same way. If Mr. Corporate CFO is sitting in the high tower and he's got all the co- all the all the company money, and you want to you want to sell a project and have a cost of goods sold of X dollars, that person up there has got to say, "Yep, yeah, I'm willing to give you those X dollars." But you're going to get payments along the way, and we're going to make the percentage of gross margin that that is acceptable to us as an organization in order to keep on going. I don't want you know I, I want to make sure that. Nobody's to sit us thinking that, you know, we believe that people are up there greedy. Oh, I want more money. No, you want money to keep the business going. Hire more people. Oh, I, I think there's some greedy suppliers. people in some of these businesses. You know what? I'm sure there are, but, you know. We don't want to focus on them, but they're there. Yeah. Believe me. <laughs> I, I look, I, I, and I'll bring in my dorky engineering view. I, I look at it as a car no cycle. It all works perfectly well with no, with no, um, Efficiency loss, right? <laughs> okay, so that means that there's no, you know, no corruption. The way it's supposed to work, right? Know, 
when it comes to the financial side. It's it's the way it's supposed to work. And of course, that's you know, there's two sides to that. The customer can be just as ornery uh, at times to where uh, you know, depending on the size of the project, um, you know, there may be scenarios where um, you're not sure whether that customer is is credit worthy or not, and that's a big part of cash flow. Making sure that uh, you're going to get paid at the end of the job. Right. So everybody wants consideration. That's a legal term for a contract. So you, you, you provide you provide a good and you get consideration. So how that that payment, how that consideration gets executed is very important. And you're right, Les. There are there are companies that I've even run across that said, you know what, we, we want to give you this two million dollar project. And for us, two million dollar project is pretty big. For some, for us, it would be rather big. It would be very large. (laughs) Yeah. So you know, depends on where you sit. But the thing is, um, you know, you 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 might check their their DMV, Donna Bradstreet report, or whatever other finance report. And sure, that report up until then says that they pay their bills. But are you willing to outlay the cash and not get and build a product and not get paid for six months? Uh, without some kind of without some kind of instrument, some kind of bank instrument, and, and there are bank instruments that are there, letters of credit and uh, bonds that you can take out to ensure payment. So now, how difficult is it to do these letters of credits or or bonds to help you know? And and is there a certain threshold that you should be starting to think about letters of credits and and bonds and things like that? I mean, you know, if you if you're doing a hundred thousand dollar orders. Does it make sense to do letters of credits and bonds, or you know, uh, at what point do you start thinking about those? Well, yeah, it might not. It's up to your organization at how much risk you're willing to put out on the table that you know you might not get any payment for. You know, when it comes to when it comes to progress payments, um, you get paid along the way. When it comes to the lump sum payment upon delivery, mm-hmm. well, then then yeah, you have to look at it from your organization standpoint as to whether whether you know, you deliver it, and something happens that you don't get paid. Um, are you are you okay with the financial hit of not getting paid? Right, because there, there is a cost. There's a, a banking cost to a letter of credit as well, and, and sometimes it could be. You know, I'll throw a number out there: two and a half percent of the order value. Oh wow! Right, so it could be it could be you know at, at that magnitude. Um, so there is a cost to having a banking instrument. To ensure that you get paid, but then again, um, you have to ensure that the wording in those documents are clear and executable with the customer. And and I'll, I'll take it from my experience working working with customers in other countries outside of Western Europe and and uh, North America. Working with co- countries outside of those those areas. Um, you have to make sure that the letter of credit can be can be drawn upon in their local bank, and, that, and that's what they want. And right. you have to you have to make sure that the wording then is correct, so that you achieve what you expect in order to draw your payment off of that instrument. I never did realize that um, that they were that expensive, or, or could be that ex, you know excessive as far as price goes. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you, and maybe things have changed now. Based on on uh, you know interest rates and things like that, but you know between one and two and a half percent of the of the order value, wow, uh, could be the cost of of that instrument. I got gotcha. you. So as far as cash flow goes, is there any other areas you think we should uh, we should try to touch on, or do you think we covered it pretty well? 
I think we covered we covered the idea of uh, of cash and, and you know getting paid and paying your suppliers so, right and it's yeah, touch it's points and everything like that yeah exa- exactly so so what is your pick of the week yeah, my pick of the week I'm gonna piggyback on a podcast that I listen to so this is almost like a circular reference we're on a podcast <laughs> I listen to a that's podcast. a bad thing in programming dude it is I know it is so yeah this is like totally geeky conversation today so 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 here it is right we're on a podcast I listen to a podcast this week in photo so my hobby being photography I listen to that uh, one of the guests that they had on his pick of the week was a podcast for your your company. Why you should have a podcast. Five reasons your business needs a podcast is <laughs> is from uh, this gentleman called Jose Rosado, and like I said, it's a, it was a photography podcast. So his website is F Stoppers, which okay. I think is pretty cool. That is F Stop is a, a measure of uh, light, right. things like that, when you're taking pictures. So um, you know, it's it's pretty cool. One of the things that uh, Actually, two main points from his his recommendation was um, if you have your own business, your own hobby, whatever, doing a podcast, podcasts have increased, at least in the United States, uh, 9% to 17% of the population now are listening to podcasts, and it's grown since between 2008 and 2015. So it's it's grown to 17% as of uh, 2015. And the other point is it gives your, it gives your hobby, business, whatever, a voice. Which is kind of nice because we've gone from websites where everybody goes to websites, but a podcast gives your business a voice. I, I completely agree. Well, and just to att- attach to that, uh, our numbers are showing that not only in the uh, uh, U.S. is it growing, but our particular numbers on our podcast show that the overseas numbers are increasing even higher and faster. So it's interesting to to look at your own numbers. And when we first started this podcast, it was all, um, you know, North America was our listeners. Uh, but now my, our numbers are starting to um, ramp up pretty quickly in areas such as, uh, you know, China, Japan, uh, you know, Europe. Uh, we've got l- listeners all across the, um, the uh, Europe and Asia uh, area, which, uh, you know, just is just astounding to me that there's people over there that would <laughs> want to listen to this stuff, but you know, who knows? And we, and we thank them and, uh, and we do actually, maybe one of the things you should do, uh, they, I don't know what your pick is, but uh, you should probably give them the information on, uh, how to give us feedback. Well, well, maybe, uh, I have to, I have to set that up for the, for the next podcast. Cause I do Sounds have a pick this week. Um, right. My pick this week is a it's a show that I watched about um, these long distance runners um, and uh, about this very particular um, marathon that happens in Kentucky called the Barkley Marathon, and it was the most ridiculous marathon I have ever uh, watched a documentary on. Uh, but this marathon runs for sixty hours straight and these people run through the the mountains of Kentucky and this guy has laid this course out and it only costs a dollar to get in on this marathon but you have to be picked you know you can't it's just not anybody so you have to you have to be picked and there's all these strange activities that happens such as 
you know, it's a loop. Um, and then when you finish the first loop, you have to go, uh, your next run has to be the other direction. And then you have to run it at night. And it's, it's, it's nuts. And there's only, you know, a few people that have ever finished this goofy thing. Uh, but it was just, the documentary is very interesting. If you have Netflix, it's on Netflix and it's called the Bar- Barkley Marathon. It is the craziest thing you'll ever watch. And, and you just, uh, you just wonder some of these people, how, how they could ever do something like this. It was, uh, you know, some of these people are, you know, thinking they're in great shape. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, I can try, I can try that. <laughs> yeah, check it out. Uh, yeah, not it, the race. Check out the, the documentary. Yeah, check out the documentary. I would not encourage anybody to do a race like this uh, unless you're really wanting to challenge yourself. Uh, uh, but uh, you can even find out who the winners are each year. And some in some years, they have no winners. Nobody finishes. You know. So, uh, and there's a few people that have uh, completed it um, two and three times. Just like one or two people, but um, it's been going on for about fifteen years now. But uh, I, I've I've never heard of it, and somebody told me about it, and I was like, "What?" <laughs> so I thought I'd check it out. So I hope that everybody has enjoyed uh, this episode of Man versus Business on uh, Cash Flow. Uh, we look forward to talking to you next week. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Man vs. Business. Please note that neither Sean nor myself are business consultants. We just have a strong passion for discussing all things business. Please remember to visit Sigmatree.co to see our other podcasts, our business ventures, and our blog. And by the way, you can also drop us a line from the message page. Again, thank you and have a good week.